G'day, my name's James Baldwin and welcome to Oz F1. It's really great to have your company here for another recap episode, this time for the Bahrain Grand Prix. Of course, an incredibly shocking start to the Grand Prix and we're all very glad that Roman is okay. Stick with us as we talk about the incident itself. We'll talk about the TV broadcast and team-by-team analysis as we always do. Now, fair warning, this podcast was recorded straight after the race, which means it was four o'clock in the morning. So we had had a bit of fun, but we might look a bit sleep deprived if you're watching us on YouTube. But let's get into it. Good morning. Uh, it's good to be here at 22 past four in the morning as we record this episode of Oz F1. Oh. And uh, I'm here with the boys, Tommy T, Thomas J Camp, uh, for what was an incredibly boring race. (laughs) It turns out that this is the podcast that we record immediately after the race. It's like, yes, this is going to be fantastic. We're all getting up early. We've all got things to do today, which meant that we couldn't find another time. Uh, And of course, we had an (laughs) red flag on the first lap. It took an hour. I must admit, I know how Roman Grosjean feels now. You've got a plan. You're going to stick to it. And it just fails. Oh, man. <laughs> Flatly fails. Yeah. Yes, you and Roman Grosjean, uh, they're obviously the two people who suffered the most. <laughs> 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 Boys, uh, well, uh, look, let's let's chat with a the, the couple of bits of paddock news, of course, before we get into talking about the race uh, and, and what a beginning of the race. It then ended up being quite boring. But let's talk about uh, a couple of people. First off, let's talk about the guy who was set for podium but of course uh, didn't get there because of a failure with his car, Sergio Perez. Look, this is this is a sad time for him. Soon to uh, to be without a drive, really, in Formula One. Tommy T, uh, can you still believe that the guy who was running around third still does have, doesn't have a seat to next year? Get it? I'm sure he's going to get the opportunity. Whether he takes it is the other thing. He's kind of come mm. out and said that it's Red Bull seat or I'm going to take a year off. Like he's not yep. really interested in that Haas seat. That is not really available, but it's probably available if you asked. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it's looking more like, from what we're hearing, Red Bull are going to stick with Albon. Yeah, Campy, you predicted this uh, last time we spoke, and Tommy T and I were like, nah, surely not. Surely not. Uh, can you stop being uh, a prophet? Uh, <laughs> uh, look, it's a real shame, isn't it? I mean, yeah. the mm. guy was unlucky tonight not to get a podium. Um that would have cemented their lock on the uh, Constructors' Championship for third as well. So it was a shame for the team. But for Checo, he's driving as good as he's ever driven in his mm. career today as we speak. He's probably in the best car that he's ever been in, other than that McLaren he was in for one season. Yep. But, yeah, real shame. I just can't believe that he probably won't be on the grid next year. And good on him, good on him for calling it. Mm. He's yeah. Good on him for saying, hey, I'm not going to race if I'm not racing for a top team because mm. – he deserves that drive ahead of Albon. He deserves to be on the grid by probably more than 50% of the drivers on the grid as well. So, yeah, good on him. And if he, it'll probably be his last race because, let's face it, you try and take a sabbatical and move on for a year, it generally doesn't, you know, come back the year later. <laughs> generally doesn't happen. Ocon's the exception to the rule. And Alonso, he's a two-time world champion. He has the ability to make demands and come back. But Checo's not, he's not. He's not aligned to a team. He's not aligned to a ma- engine manufacturer. He's not in like a Mercedes program, a Renault no. program, Ferrari program, 
or the Red Bull program. So mm. it'll be tougher for him to get in than anyone else. Yeah, and look, obviously we we're seeing Hulkenberg trying his best to get back in as well. Uh, since his last fill in for uh, Lance Stroll, it seems a lot of the uh, the conversations have been going quiet. In that, in saying that, however, Haas is is going to announce, and Gunter came out earlier this week to say that they're going to announce their driver lineup before the season finishes. Whether or not he does that as a result of uh, what happened with Roman, who knows? Um, but it's looking pretty likely, isn't it, that. Mick Schumacher is going to step into that Haas F1 seat. Uh, but potentially Hockenberg uh, takes that as well uh, because there isn't, there hasn't really been a lot of that connection, has there, between Red Bull and Hockenberg in the last couple of weeks like there has been with, with Perez. Tommy, what do you think of Hockenberg being able to step back in? Oh, we want to see him. We know he's a great driver. Whether, I don't know, he wants to go to a Haas. I think he, at this stage, year off, he's going to take anything that's there. But... We want to see him in a top car. It's interesting, isn't it, Camby? Because you just said, you know, Sergio's called it uh, and saying that he doesn't want to go for a team like Williams, even though his camp was <laughs> spreading those rumours only a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Hulk doesn't seem to be that kind of person, though. He, he sort of seems to want to get back into the sport uh, and he kind of deserves a seat. Maybe not as much as Perez now, though. Oh, considering- look, look, I'm, look, Hulk's great and he should be on the grid before 50% of the drivers on the grid at the moment again. So it's a shame that he's not in F1, but, hey, it is F1. Um, if he wants to come back and take that half seat, then do it if he wants to race in F1. But if he does, his stocks are going to be way down and his chances of getting in a top seat, again, mm-hmm. are slim to none. Um, I think the only thing that is keeping him in the fold in the Red Bull conversation, although he admits those conversations have died down in the last month, is that, uh, the Verstappen side of the camp would prefer Hulk to Perez. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, this is F1. It's just probably time for him to move on. I reckon he'd probably get a drive for the next two weeks with Grosjean's injuries. Mm. Uh, sounds like he's got some broken ribs. It's all speculative. It, like The race literally finished five minutes ago. So yeah. <laughs> uh, we still haven't heard anything from the broadcast. So, But I would suggest that uh, Grosjean might be in a state to race. So we've probably seen his last one. And maybe Hulk steps in for two, gets an idea where the team's at and makes a decision from there. But, Mm. you know, I mean, you've got got Hulk and Perez wanting that Red Bull spot. And it doesn't look like Red Bull's going to give up on Albon. So who knows? And, I mean, he got a podium this weekend, but only because of... Sergio's uh, failure with the car. So it's, you know, we've said it time and time again, he's had plenty of opportunities to shine. Uh, He even put it in the wall uh, over the weekend as well. Uh, Just, you know, anyway, it it sort of doesn't make much sense to to us here at Oz F1 about that. Uh, Okay, well, let's talk about the the beginning of the race before we actually get into Tommy T, your broadcast review, and, of course, the race as we talk about team by team because uh, we need to talk about what actually happened here here with Roman Grosjean. Um, we we were oh, and if, shout out to you if you if you're listening and and you're uh, you engage with us on the Discord channel. Uh, you will know that there was a lot of what the hell is going on. Um, as soon as that fireball happened, it was I think everyone almost just stopped, didn't they? It's hard mm. to believe the Formula One in 2020 that something like that would happen. Campy, your initial thoughts on everything that was going on. I remember saying it just like, we're done, we're not going to race tonight. Mm. I, I was, look, I'm so stoked that the guy got out of that car uh, yeah. in the flaming fireball that it was. I didn't, you know, 
seeing it and seeing the replays, I was shocked that he got out of it. So if I was him, I'm going to buy a lotto ticket or <laughs> do what Bod Ass did, you know, go to church and sort yourself <laughs> out before your next race. <laughs> um, oh, look, seriously, that was uh, – I've never seen anything like that. I mean, the cast literally snapped in half, mm. and uh, I think they, they talked about this on the broadcast too. I think the debate about the halo is over now. Oh, totally. You could see, you could see from the wreckage and, and what remained of the – of the steel bollard that he crashed into, you could see where that halo cut out a section for him to pass through. Yeah, I mean, if that if the halo wasn't there, his head would have taken the full contact of that. As the car splitting in half, it looked <laughs> like the uh, looked like the engine mounts um, like completely snapped off upon impact, yeah, which which is what caused the car to break in half. And they think, speculatively, of course, um, what happened was was the uh, the engine sliced through the um, the fuel cell in which the fuel's kept. Now, those fuel cells are like, they're literally like a, a big rubber ball that are, you know, they're almost <laughs> impossible to penetrate. And I remember watching it, seeing a documentary on it uh, a couple of years ago, just one of those Sky F1 10-minute things before a race. And they literally mould it around the engine and, and however they want it to fit so they can get the maximum, um, you know, the aerodynamic chassis around it. But they're so thick, they're like a rubber ball that you cannot penetrate, and that must have just sliced through it and gone straight up. So, yeah, brutal. I was speechless when it happened. I didn't really know what to say. Yeah, pretty pretty incredible stuff, Tommy. Yeah, <laughs> your thoughts? Same thoughts. Like the Discord channel just went quiet. Everyone just going, what the hell's going on? And no one wanted to talk. Um yeah, it just didn't feel like we were in the modern Formula One. This felt like going back to, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, this kind of stuff. Like, we haven't seen fireballs like that in F1. We see people tip over. But, like, genuinely can't be so right. The halo is not up for debate anymore. You could see how clearly, like you said, that, that punch through. I don't know. Like, we, we would be talking very differently. <clears throat> we wouldn't have had a race. We'd be in a very different spot. So we're very thankful that Grosjean literally jumped out and walked away. Mm. Un- unbelievable to walk away from something like that oh. fireball. Incredible. And it's it's hard Incredible. it's hard for us to watch as fans, and that's all we are first and foremost, uh, to see a fireball in the background and then the TV director showing nothing of the crash until everyone is known to be alive, mm. basically, and safe, uh, and with very little information, of course, coming out. Uh, we ha- I have to mention Ian Roberts and Kevin Kevin Vandermeer, uh, the, those two guys mm. in the medical car, incredible. Uh, yeah, these are yeah. obviously the kind of people who run towards accidents and fires, but just, I mean, thinking, put, put yourself in their position. You know, that AMG is quick, right? It's obviously not as quick as Formula One cars, so they're coming around three just as the fireball happens. So they're in the car, they've seen the fireball, and they're already thinking about how they're going to interact with that scene as soon as they get there. Um, the marshal runs across the other side of the track, and lucky he did, because uh, the other guy uh, from the other side of the, of the crash was just not trying, was not affecting Roman at all. Mm. Um, even though he was buggering around the pin, we finally got it out and was spraying that that foam on there. Man, that Ian Roberts who is a doctor, <laughs> not yeah. a firefighter, gets in there and, you know, grabs Roman out and tries to settle him down. I just, uh, yeah, incredibly <sighs> shocking is, footage and, and is, hard to watch. This is what I was talking about last week. F1 gets this stuff right 99% yeah. of the time. Yeah. The systems are, and procedures are in place for a reason because they've got history. And it's awesome to watch when 
you know, the other side of it, yes, the crash was horrendous and, yes, he got out, but watching the aftermath of it, how it was handled, how it was sorted, everything mm-hmm. that went on, there was no mistakes made, there was a clear uh, leadership on ground, there was procedures in place. They got that right. I think uh, I think there's a few Melbourne road construction workers out there that can take a few <laughs> hints from these folks because you guys do nothing and there's 40 of you standing around holding some bloody signs. These guys have cleared a clash, <laughs> put some more bollards up and ready to race in 45 minutes. Yep. Yeah. So, good art uh, Yeah, but it's like, yeah, I mean, but we got to go racing at the end of the day and it's... Yep. It must be tough as a driver, though, watching that going. Oh, do I really want to go and do this? You know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't begrudge them if they said no. Yeah, yeah, really. And if they said no, no, I think this is where it for today. Martin Brundle said a good thing uh, about how he would reset himself after watching a big accident like that back in his day. You know, thinking about the law of averages, and it's unlikely to happen to them again. But uh, really, this the safety in these cars now is fantastic. You're right; the halo debate has been put to bed. Uh, it was already put to bed in my mind with Alonso and Leclerc mm-hmm. uh, in 2018. To be to be honest, uh, with that with that contact. So look, great, really good. Um, Roman looked. Terrified, shocked, injured, Ugh. all of those and more. We don't know, obviously, if he was knocked out and sitting there, but thank goodness he was able to get Ooh. himself out of that cockpit because uh, it would have been a very different story if he was passed out for a lot longer. So thank goodness for that. <laughs> just, I'm still just, yeah, you know, it's brutal. three hours ago uh, and it's still hard to talk about. So, yeah, anyway, it's a really great job uh, by everyone on the track and then it was a really great, not a great job, rather, when Perez <laughs> had a, an incident and a Marshall ran across the track in front of cars. Uh, so, look, it's all down to individuals, isn't it? And it's very hard, uh, you know, saying sometimes Formula 1 gets it wrong. You know, Michael Massey is making that decision about the crane and, and releasing cars with the crane still on track versus one person running across the track uh, trying to do the right thing, but, of course, uh, completely, you know, putting everyone in danger, oh, including himself. He earned his money today. I'll give him a tick. He's done well. Uh, sorry, I'm talking about the guy who ran across in front of other traffic in sorry. Perez's incident. Not, I was, I was talking about Massey. I was, I was oh. talking about Massey. You sure you want to compliment him? Let's no, he, he did well he today. Some, we'll he have did, some consistency. Ex, except for that Kvyat 10-second <laughs> penalty. Oh, that was a right. ridiculous penalty. Right. Racing. Anyway, he's a, well, yeah, he's a dud. <laughs> We'll get into it. Okay. Well, tell me, T, uh, let's go through what the race weekend looked like from a TV broadcast point of view. Oh. Well, because we live in Australia, it's on bloody yep. late, so we didn't watch much other than exactly when qualifying started <laughs> and exactly when the race started. So that's all I can really comment on. Uh, just, again, wanted to reiterate how well the crash was handled. And mm. it's a tough thing, to I would imagine, to be in the broadcast booth when this is happening. And I think they handled it pretty well. You can't obviously show stuff before you know if someone's alive and well and those kind of things. So I think when they could, they were showing as much detail because that's what we all want. We want to know what, what happened. We want to understand. So to be honest, I think they did very well considering – how fast the information would have been coming to them, how much they had to decipher and communicate to us. So I'll give them some credit for that. Um, and then later on in the broadcast, on the less serious <laughs> side, when uh, Simon Lazenby ran up some tea to Martin Brundle because he was getting a bit tired. 
And apparently, Lazenby started <laughs> by being a bit of a runner, and he still can't make a tea, according to Brundle. And he then went to tell his exact when you daughter need to fill in. Yeah, yeah, we need to fill in something. Can I? Oh, I must admit, sugar, I woke up at Very five one oh five a.m. Yeah. this morning. First thing I did was jump on the Discord chat, and I'll see a comment from Tommy T. Oh, has Laser got some dirty tips to tip rat? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, mate, they are horrible. Oh, very You're good. You're looking very blonde. Oh, very good. So, but and overall, special mention to the Haas mechanic with that killer mullet. That is, that is a oh, bit of human just injected right at the right time in that section. That, that is one of the great mullets. It's the greatest haircut in Formula One. As of right now. Uh, well, in terms of the broadcast review then, Tommy, to your score mullet. for this weekend... Wow, it's pretty high. Look, I think they could have probably shown the crash a eight. little bit earlier. As soon as everyone's all like, right. all right, Grosjean's out of pretty the car. High. All right, TV director, yeah. enough of the, let's go. Come on, let's just show it. Because there was, I mean, then they showed yeah. it for the next hour. I get that. But there was, uh, for me, it was a bit too long of a gap. Can I, mm. I'll also just add, just why I love this sport well, so we're much. We're holding our breath. Q1. Yeah. Verstappen went out really early before any car to check that his DRS system was working. Under lights, that Honda motor's the best-sounding engine on the grid. And to hear Brundle just commentating it lap by lap with Max's on board with the sound, unbelievable under lights. The lights made those liveries just... Just shine in places that they don't normally. Ah, that is why we love this sport. And, yeah. and I just go and watch it. Just watch that, you know, minute and a half clip that in Q1. Uh, it was just spectacular. That's what it we love about this sport. And when they get that stuff right, you don't really notice it until you sit back and you start to appreciate how good mm. how good these guys are at what they do. So, yeah, yeah. specifically Martin. Martin on fire. Um, that's probably a bad use of term for that, but uh, <laughs> you're doing really well. <laughs> Uh, this weekend, but it, yeah, it, absolute magic. This guy uh, and the rest of the Sky Sports team, unfortunately, just doesn't match that. But that's okay. Mm. Um, shout out to Alex Jakes as well, who's uh, leaving F1 TV and, and got the lead commentary gig with Channel Four. Uh, great for him. Unfortunately, we don't get Channel Four over here, but he'll be joining the likes of Coulthard and, and Weber. Uh, so if you have access to Channel Four, watch that because uh, it'll be better than the Sky coverage. <laughs> Let's not joke ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about the race, boys, uh, as we're fresh from it. It was we always do team by team, uh, and we'll start at the uh, we'll start at the very back with Racing Point. Disappointingly for my fantasy team, uh, as I changed yeah, out Renault to them just before, I was like, oh, no, you know, Racing Point are doing well. We'll put them in. Bloody Lance Stroll, hey, flipping himself over. I'm blaming him and not Kvyat. Um, not like, on that. I think that was more that was more Stroll's fault than Kvyat's fault. <laughs> Yeah, it's I Mugello mean, all over again. That was Kvyat. I think so. Yeah. Yes, he. There was a gap there, and he's entitled to take that gap. What Stroll is not entitled to do is completely cut across and make that gap disappear to the point where whoever could potentially be there um, has no room, like Kvyat. Now, Kvyat. I mean, it was clumsy. Mm. It was it was clumsy from both of them, but Stroll wouldn't have even looked. Mm. This this kid is a 
Oh, he's a dud. He performs one week. We said it this week, coming out and performing. <clears> didn't get into Q. Didn't get into Q3. Didn't have yep. the pace of the car. Look where his teammate was and made a stupid rookie mistake and ended up saying, oh, it's not my fault. It's his fault. It's like, give me a break, dude. <laughs> yes. You're not wrong. Uh, yeah, and... Does it always seem to happen that every time Otmar is on the pit wall for Sky Sports, something mega goes wrong with the team? Uh, I almost feel bad for him. Apart from when all he always oh, defends his boss's son, I almost feel bad for him that uh, that he seems to be on there. Um, Stroll was saying that in terms of his qualifying pace, it was a inverted commas miscommunication uh, with his with the pit wall versus when he got out there. I agree with you, Campy. I don't think he really had the the feel of the car, although he did some further setup changes. Uh, Checo was just was just driving incredibly well all weekend, all the way through practice yep. and qualifying and the race. Um, the dude is is on fire, but you know, it, again, this it shows. <laughs> I keep oh, got to stop using that. <laughs> it's uh, lit. It's lit. Use that go. one. Oh my goodness! I don't know how I feel about it. you feel saying something like that. Um, but that that really goes to show, though, how good a package Seb Vettel is getting himself into for next year. So yeah. it really, you know, it, everything, all the pressure, quite literally, is on him to do that because really, there's. This car that is a lot better than the Ferrari uh, and he can put all the haters to bed. Hopefully he does that. Um, but Racing Point, really disappointing for them. Disappointing for everyone who has their uh, for fantasy league covered by them. Uh, okay, we'll talk about Haas now. Um, Kevin Magnussen... It didn't have too bad of a start. Uh, obviously, that it all sort of washed out and, and didn't go too well for him in the long run. Jesse would have been feeling it in the garage, wouldn't he? Watching the whole thing go on with with Roman, Tommy T. Uh, your thoughts on K Mag for for this race? Mm. Yeah, really tough. Really, really tough. I don't mm. know how you do it, mean. You'd be the closest with that guy out of anyone on the grid being your teammate, but yeah, he was really positive. You could see when they saw him get out and they were watching the footage back on the big screen and he was the first one to start clapping and you could tell he was very happy that it was kind of over and he was safe and they could kind of get back into the, the, uh, the flow of the day, I guess. And what, what he had to do next and get back in the car. I'm just a bit distracted. We've seen a photo pop up and I've just chucked it in our group message boys and you can see, this is Grosjean's car. Yeah. It's just whited out and there is the halo is in perfect tact around just nothing. I mean, I'm sure you guys are going to see these photos in the next couple of days and hours, but really incredible. And that's why he survived yeah. genuinely because I, no, saw, an old I saw a side-on shot of it where it took kind the of safety front and, and just peeled that thing away from it. Yeah. There's a big chunk out of it, but geez, the force that that thing took and protected the head, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, just looking at this photo, Tommy, you're right. It's, uh, I mean, incredible bit of safety engineering. You think about, you know, both front wheels, the whole wheel thing just disappeared. The left hand front side disappeared down the track and the right hand front side disappeared across the ditch, across the service road. Um, You're totally right. Yeah, you... Yeah, it looks if like you a plane didn't know crash. that was a Formula One like a cockpit. It, you're yeah. absolutely right. It looks, it looks like almost like a fighter jet. Yeah, incredible. If you if you haven't seen photos uh, and you're listening or you're watching, uh, we'll, we'll maybe chuck this up on the YouTube as, as we talk about it. But um, on the YouTube, geez, I sound like a, <laughs> I'm on the line. Man, you sound like it's quarter to five in the morning. 
It's the best podcast we're going to do. On the line. Okay, uh, Alfa Romeo, Kimi and, and Gio. Gio did, uh, I don't know, it was weird. They pitted Gio towards the end and uh, he kind of lost a spot to, to Kimi. But uh, Alfa Romeo just weren't there this weekend, were they? Uh, yeah, Kimi generally seems to have a pretty good run at Bahrain. But uh, for this weekend, no, not not exciting at all. Campy? Yeah, he had uh, he had some front wing damage and he lost, I think they said, about 25 downforce points. On his car, so yeah, but they haven't been anywhere all year. Like we don't see a lot of them on TV. We only see them when they're fighting each other, or yeah, Seb and Kimmy, or, <laughs> or Seb and Kimmy continually to find themselves on the track. All the yeah. time, um, yeah. they pitted heaps. I think all the teams pitted a lot oh. because the tyres. They, you know, for once we finally got the race we wanted with tyre wear and tyre management, mm-hmm. but. Unfortunately, we're at Bahrain. I mean, Bahrain is better than Abu Dhabi. Yeah, um, not by much. And, it, and it's been a pretty good race over the years at times, but, um, yeah, I think it's probably one of those tracks that we could do without, to be honest. Yeah. We well, could go somewhere else and do better stuff, and <laughs> but we need Middle Eastern <laughs> oil money, don't we? So <laughs> We need brand-new tracks Sorry, designed I'm, to be I'm, looking amazing and then not perform at all, and then you go to old correct. tracks Sorry, like I'm him. I'm off topic, can... but... Yeah, it's pretty standard. From standard for this podcast oh, at five. That's not like you. <laughs> I just want to, mate. It's quarter to five. It's a new right shitty. Just want to get. I just want to get rowdy and just rag on someone. <laughs> Try to figure out who you rag on at the moment. Can't We're back next week. You can rag on them then. <laughs> Mate, yeah, I'll look forward you, to that next week. Right in front of me. <laughs> George Russell, George Russell finishing in twelfth uh, for for Williams. He, he he really saw the track evolution, didn't we? In in Q one, uh, yeah. with his time mm. coming out for the second time, um, and it was good enough, obviously, to take him through to Q two. He, I, I don't know if you saw this, boys, and if you if you're listening, you should definitely try and, and watch this. I think it was on the F one Facebook page. They did a side by side comparison of the Williams, him driving in Bahrain twenty nine. Williams, him driving Bahrain 2020 Williams. It's almost a two second different, like a completely Oops, different car. Huge, like huge. And he's, he's doing the same lines and everything else, which goes to show that he's a very good driver as he was early in his career in Formula One uh, last year. But he still hasn't been able to get these points. Tommy T, do you think he'll get any points this year? I don't think he will. I, I'm kind of hoping that he doesn't for the weird sadistic <laughs> part of me that's like, we've got that Hulk record of him never having a podium. I really would like this to last as long as we can, just because it's fun. We'll, uh, we'll get, I'll ask Campy to arrange it then, considering he has all <laughs> things power for Formula you can just One. prophesy that, uh, Campy, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> just say some hallelujahs before everything, you're good to go. <laughs> no, I think, I think he will, probably not this yeah, year, though. If you're a, if you're a pastor, you got to have a few affairs too to uh, <laughs> <laughs> to get some street code these days. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, can I say something about Russell? No, I prefer you say something about Russell instead of what hey, else you're I've, I've, got some, I've got some serious questions about uh, George Russell's racecraft. Okay, I mean he's put himself in some good positions this year from qualifying, but every time, like his start. It was the worst start of all time tonight. He dropped back from wherever he started. I think it was 14th or 15th and um, was last by the end of the straight. Shocking yeah. start. Um, yeah. 
He finds himself consistently over the last five or six races where he's finally starting to race people and be around them consistently. And he continually spins or has some moments for whatever reason. I, I mean, he hasn't raced really anyone up until the last seven or eight races. Mm. He's been at the back. He's been a glorified test test driver for 18 months. I've, I've got some questions over his racecraft and, and is he on a steep learning curve that he's got to get right at some stage because the opportunities seemingly he's putting himself in the right position but he's never taking taking them by the uh, by the throat and just you know bringing it home. Well, we've seen his racecraft in F two though. He was mm. he was incredibly good there, and I just think maybe as you say, because of being a glorified test driver at the back of the pack for most of his Formula One career, yeah. he's just not used to it. Right, mm. uh, and he's probably. But I mean, the Mercedes power is great. So, from a starting point of view, he, his starts always should be better than the Ferrari power around mm-hmm. in the in the forms of the Haases and the Alfa Romeos. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was. He really slipped back, didn't he? It was. It was almost like Danny Rick up towards the front. That just just horrible start. Um, and of course, Nicholas Latifi uh, doing really nothing mentionable. As always, my favourite Canadian. Thank you for being that. I guess uh, no, nothing related to comment. We is just it? we don't hear from him. No, you don't see him. No. He's a bit like Stroll. He's a bit aloof. Ghost. Oh. I think he's more. His presence in the paddock is more significant. As in, you know, he's happy to talk to camera, and he seems genuine when he does talk to camera. But because he's in at the back so often, I don't think the camera's that interested in in being on him. To be honest, that and I he, mean. Almost he, yeets himself with tire things coming off. <laughs> he's a super professional dude when he fronts up. Like he oh, speaks yeah. really well. He's super articulate. He's he's engaging. That's why he's our favourite Canadian on the grid. Unfortunately, no one wants to hear from the guy having four tenths every week. <laughs> Just yeah, not sure. Long. Not sure we'd have we should have any of those two Canadians on the grid at the moment because they're not bringing enough. Performance-wise, in my opinion, to warrant their spots. No, so. no, they're not at all. Yeah. You're absolutely right. All right, well, let's talk about uh, Ferrari. Um, Seb just did not have the car near him after the restart, did he? He did, you know, was, it was sort of him and Charles had a bit of a tussle, and he, he got on the radio and he was complaining about being cut across and all that sort of other stuff. And then Charles sort of ended up further towards the front of the, the pack. Of course, it washed out that he was tenth and Seb was thirteenth. But uh, Ferrari, at least Charles got his elbows out a, a couple of times. He seemed to be making some good moves during the race. Uh, but Seb, as we've seen in the most sort of recent couple of races, ends up racing Raikkonen at the back. <laughs> he's he's just got a, a love. Lovely sort of thought and memory of, of racing Kimi and happier days. So that's where he wants to sit himself. Our, quali- our qualified uh, Leclerc this weekend. So it was good to see. It was good to see. I don't know if Leclerc just had an absolute stinker of a lap or not. Yeah. Um, and their, their relative lap times comparatively over the last 10 races would suggest that Leclerc's stomping him. Um, mm. But who knows? I, he was really shitty after the first lap. Yeah, and I could sort of see why because the gap was there, and he probably shouldn't have left that gap way open. But obviously, they'd had conversations about this stuff previously. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and the problem is, is when Leclerc made that dive bomb, which he's totally entitled to do. Yep, it actually it, because of the way the way that Seb positioned his car in that corner, 
it ultimately cost him because he had to go so wide on the exit of the turn that he had to get off the gas and avoid traffic to his to his left because of what you know Charles Leclerc did probably pretty cheekily um, on the right. Now, all he's got to do is position his car a bit more to the right so that Leclerc doesn't have the chance to go up his inside. The problem solved. They've obviously had conversations about it uh, before the race, as he alluded to, and he's, he's probably sick of it, and he's over the year. He just wants yeah. it to be done until he gets into a new seat. But yep. I can understand yeah, I a bit of his frustration because it compromised his whole yeah. race. Yeah. There's a way you overtake your teammate compared to another racer. You don't compromise them completely. Wow. You get past, but you don't really stuff them for the next kind of half a lap. It's, it's kind, kind of, of weird. Too. Seb shouldn't be whinging about that stuff. He's a four-time world champion, yeah. and he should be better. He should know better than to give anyone an inch because if you Even give anyone team, an inch yeah. at this level, they'll take it a mile. Um, you know, but he's probably a bit well with me. And yeah. yeah, just looking it, for excuses to crack it at the moment. Yeah. And, and fair enough, too. It was a safety car straight after anyway. Yeah, and it, I mean, it was a mega rant as well. It wasn't just like a short radio message. Uh, he went it's through a couple like of corners whilst he was still holding the radio button, trying to <laughs> bitch like and moan about stuff. Well, uh, <laughs> it, it was actually, his argument was, is it's the same argument that he had when Kvyat torpedoed in China and went through. It actually, what Kvyat did, yes, there was a gap, and yes, Kvyat's entitled to take it, but when they do that in those positions... They're not taking into any consideration, I'm talking about the ones doing the overtaking move, they're not taking into consideration what is on the outside of the guy that they're overtaking mm. and the compromise that it puts on them. It, you know, it's a sandwich and, you know, three ways only goes into one and a half and two at times. So yeah. I can understand why Seb has those issues that he does, but figure it out. Yeah. We're talking about Kvyat uh, and, and Alpha Tauri. Obviously, he got his 10-second penalty, which we spoke a little bit earlier about saying that it's a bit ridiculous. Um, yeah. But he sort of had the door closed on him by, by Lance, didn't he? Really, in a lot of ways. And again, in my mind, that was very reminiscent uh, of Mugello with, with Lance and, yeah. and his just his inability to, to be spatially aware. Um, yeah, I, I don't agree with, with the penalty for Kvyat <laughs> at all. Slap but after a restart. Like, really? I think that's pretty right racing incident. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But, I mean, it has to be said, he was involved with the two things that happened. <laughs> this well, race, both kind of not really his fault, though. The Grosjean one no, was, I was hardly say, his it's, fault. Yeah. It's just unlucky that he was like, oh, come yeah. on, can somebody else be the person that causes a flip or something? And, again, after his qualifying, out-qualified his teammate and, you know, not getting the accolades he deserves when he's actually beating his teammate. Yeah. I mean, you've pointed out before, Camper, he does it, but he does it in a way that's not flashy enough to get recognised. He kind of just yeah. sneaks past. Yeah. You know, and, and he had a good start off the first start, you know, maintained his position. Mm. Um, I was, I'm sorry, he didn't. He got clipped in that, you know, that, that midfield succession which made him drop back. But mm. that first incident with Grosjean, that was cl- like, that was clumsy from Grosjean yeah. diving across how he did. Again, like zero spatial awareness. Yep. Probably didn't even think that someone was going to be there. Mm. Yeah. To see what Grosjean was trying to do. Yeah. But that's not his fault. That's not Kvyat's fault. No. The second one, he had more of a fault in it, but it's still, still. like, move on, suck it up. That's that's. Stroll burn, stroll. Yeah, racing incident for sure. Uh, but Gasly was was holding on uh, to the end. They're lucky he didn't pit for new boots uh, just for the safety car coming out towards the end of the race, though. Uh, but he's driving pretty well. I know that uh, Kvyat got him in qualifying, but 
again, you know, his confidence is, is clearly there. The car that is underneath him, it suits him a lot more. And tracks like this, he's able to, to sort of sort of dabble in that top six, seven position, which is what he was doing, if not better than what he was doing last year in Red Bull. Mm. Easy car to drive, though. So, <laughs> Thanks, Karen Horner. <laughs> <laughs> again, why wouldn't you just make the Red Bull easy to drive? Why do you have – I don't understand my making it harder is a good thing. Anyway, uh, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see with him and Sonoda. Um, I don't know if – because we'll talk about Yuki very quickly. In the Formula 2 race, um, he uh, he had an incident. He lost the car and then um, – sorry, in the qualifying, I should say, for, for F2, he lost the car. Uh, he got on the radio and whinged and bitched quite a lot. Uh, and if you're coming into F1, mate, I wouldn't necessarily we be doing it, a hell of a lot of that. Mm, yeah. So uh, I, I still don't think he's ready to come up to Formula One, but mm. nope. Uh, yeah, he'll be learning from Gasly, which is not a bad thing. I think Gasly actually now has enough experience under his belt to start teaching other people if that's what he wants to do. Okay, let's talk yeah. about our boy Danny Rick in, in Renault. Uh, horrible start from him, Huffed but, uh, uh, but uh, he, he great, managed to great get some... First, great first start from him. Great. Well, the the overtaking that he got done after his the second start was pretty epic. The little scrap that he was having with uh, Charles and with with Carlos Sainz. As I said, the the winner out of the scrap between the three of those guys was Daniel Ricciardo when the McLaren or Carlos Sainz got in front of Charles Leclerc because that's the seat that he's going to take next year. Uh, and the car looking pretty good. The McLaren, it has to be said. Um, but Danny Rick obviously he qualified fifth. And then he qualified six because he was told he qualified fifth by his race engineer. It was like, yes, this is, this is great. And he's like, oh, no, sorry, Checo just pipped us. You're now six. He was like, God oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't yeah. seem to be going well for him at Bahrain, does it, really? It, it didn't go well from last year either. No. Well, and I don't think he was helped by any of the frigging Renault strategy. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Many what times. A, what a, just get the slower guy out the way. Ocon has consistently just held up Danny Rick for two, three, four laps at a time for no reason. Get the flip out the way, mate. No one wants you there. You're just holding people up and compromised both of them when Science had fresh tyres behind and managed to get past both. So Ricardo yeah. was trying to make a move on Ocon. Ocon was just being a pleb. And then Science managed to get <laughs> Danny after he was recovering from a move and trying to just sort himself back out and he was just gone. Yep. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Just They're not very quick. They're not very quick in terms of making moves. They're almost mm. risk adverse uh, or too conservative with their strategy sometimes. But then with some strategy calls they make are epic. Yeah, and then some, there was this, I think it was like the third pit stop run they did where they brought Ocon out right in front of Danny again. It was like, well, are we going to have to do this again and sort them out? Took them two laps to fix it again. But yeah, it's just stupid. Just wait another, wait one more lap, and just let Ocon pit later. Like, just here's, don't do it to yourself. Here's the issue: we've got constructors' championship points at mm, the moment, yep. and that's what's that's that's what's on the table now. I think Danny Rick getting fourth place in the championship would be good if he can end up beating Perez. But this tonight was just a frustrating race for Danny Rick. Got the start off the first start, got up to fifth or fourth, yeah. made up a couple of positions. Beautiful. Now, I understand why Bottas moved from, you know, sixth to fourth on the second restart. But ultimately, Danny Rick started on the dirty side. Now, he did lock up his tyres on that um, on that second warm-up lap. Um, Albon in front of him, 
slowed right down and Danny Rick locked up trying to do it. And he struggled to warm his tyres up all year. So I think I think that's why he got that such a bad start in the second time. Yeah. But he just lost time everywhere. He lost time at pit stops. He lost time when he was trying to make a move on Leclerc and Sainz got him. And then he lost, you know, four or five seconds trying to get past Ocon and then Sainz got past both of them and, it, you know, took another four or five laps for him to pass. You know, he just kept losing chunks of time everywhere, which ultimately cost him that spot against Gasly yep. in the long run on the way home. And that would have been an extra couple of points in the bag, which helps at the end of the year. And yeah. It's just, yeah, if everything broke oh, right, he could have been fifth where Carlos ended up. Ocon, Ocon, shit. He's, yeah, it's really he had one moment of like, ooh, dud. okay, this he maybe he is coming back. No. And yeah, I just I compare. I get we've said this many times. Compared to Hockenberg, is is he any better? Nope, nope. Ford, <laughs> That's it. I mean, he got close in qualifying this weekend. He did. But you very, look at very you close. look. At, I'd, I'd love to know. I'd love to know what the differences in car setup is because Danny Rick's clearly setting his car up for race pace, which Ocon doesn't have. Mm. I don't think they're identical. Mm. I think it's probably a hindrance over a one lap for Danny Rick, but he's still like fourteen one for the whole year. That's like that's. That's Verstappen v Albon territory, yep. and it's George Russell. What's his name? Yeah, I mean that's like Ocon. If I'm Ocon, and the reason why Renault are not going to get third in the constructors' championship Ocon. is because Ocon hasn't done enough with a car that should have got a hell of a lot more points than what he than what he has. Yep. So it's only on it's only on them. If they'd had Hulk, you know, would have had an extra ten million pound in the bank at the end of this year. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, it's interesting looking back, isn't it? And, you know, I, I, even Toto yeah. Wolff would have to admit that Ocon has not come to the party this year. Uh, and as much as Hulkenberg would have value added, to be honest. Let's- or he has come to the party and he's driving as good as he ever has, but he's just coming up against an A plus driver. Yeah. And there's only three of them on the grid. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to where our boy goes next year, which is McLaren, of course. So let's talk about McLaren. Yeah. Uh, Lando and Carlos had a great race this time for them, fourth and fifth. Some good points haul for them. Um, the McLaren looking pretty strong, uh, except for in qualifying for Carlos Sainz, where he had his issue. Uh, and it looked like effectively that someone had just pulled up the handbrake and he was trying <laughs> to do a mad skid into Ooh. one. Um, it was just bizarre. Bizarre for him. It would have been a really weird feeling having that right rear lock up and, you know, trying to catch the car. It seemed like both axles locked and he just spat. It was bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very weird. weird. Uh, Campy, what are your thoughts on McLaren for this weekend? Because they, they seem to do pretty well. Again, qualified horribly like they did last week and then end up, you know, both cars in the top six, top seven, astounding from where they were. Mm. I mean, you look at Renault's race pace, I'm, I'm astounded that they got past them. I understand why they did and why the things happened. They just had the last two races, they've had some really bloody good luck with the races come to them, not by because they're driving amazingly or they're doing super well. There's, they've made good starts and just picked up where they should have and, you know, a few DNFs help them out here and there, and away they go. I mean, the cars, I don't think the drivers are driving outstandingly. I think the car's in a pretty good place, but extremely lucky from where they qualified. That That is not what's happened all season. No. Um, so there you go. Yep. Tommy T. Sion started on soft. He had an option to start on the yellow like everyone else, yeah. but he went opposite, started on soft. Well, and yep. and went, the soft ended up being a really, really good race tyre. Yeah. 
you know, got three or four laps less than the medium, but the pace was pace, better the yeah, whole time. Absolutely. So, yep. Uh, no, I think Lando had a really good race scratching. just keeping his nose clean. He just managed to yep. get in front, stay out of trouble. He, he stayed clear in his pit windows and those kind of things. Felt like uh, Carlos had to continually overtake the same people over and over and over again, just the way they were pit stopping him, which was going to happen because of his strategy on those softs. But he had a pretty good race, to be honest. Like He was yeah. my driver of the day, Signs. He was yeah. um, ripping through the pack quite easily. He had a couple of really good moves, I think, coming through that. I think it's – I can't remember what complex. That real tight hairpin – Real late braking, just really good Danny Ricardo kind of moves, like real late on the brakes, just outbreak the guy next to you and just go catcher. Yeah, he's mm, good. Magic. It, it is. It's good to watch. Yeah. Uh, okay. Red Bull, uh, their their first double podium since Japan 2018, uh, which says a lot about their second driver, doesn't it? Um, obviously, Max coming in second and, and Albon inheriting third from Checo. Uh, Max's his pace was was pretty good this weekend. Uh, very hard to get close to the Mercedes, obviously, but uh, all the way through qualifying and through practice, indeed in practice three, he was uh, really showing the pace of the Red Bull. Campy thoughts on on Max for the rest of, of the season. He's got two races yeah. to go. Anywhere near the front, do you think? He's just a frustrated animal. I mean, he's Isn't like he? a cage cage lion. You know, <laughs> he is. He is. Probably the quickest guy on the grid. Mm-hmm. And I'm biased towards Danny Rick, and I think Danny Rick had the better of him for the three years that they were there, and results would back me up, and statistics argue, you know, come at me. But, you know, Max is the heir apparent. Max is the heir yeah, apparent, sure. and he's just he's frustrated because he doesn't have the car to take it to Lewis or Valtteri. Um, but he continually puts himself in those positions. I mean, he flogged Albon in qualifying. Yep. He was like seven tenths. Yep. Seven tenths, and he was a second a lap quicker. I mean, get rid of that kid. But it just feels, yeah, it's frustrating for him because it's going to be the same next year, same car. He, he, he's he's just hanging on for 2022 and hoping that Red Bull get their shit together. Now, what happens in 2022 if they don't? Yeah. They're the second or third best car and there's someone else that jumps up and, you know, Red Bull don't react to the salary cap or the budget mm-hmm. as they should have and, you know, the resources that they're throwing into this engine development and the car development and whatever it is, you know, it's not sustainable or cost-effective for them. What happens then? He's probably going to be stuck in the Red Bull to 2023 until he can get out of it, chasing a top car and a top drive that people aren't really going to be willing to give up because, you know, when guys are in the top two, in the top car and they're winning and they're performing consistently, oh, man, look, it's tough. Hopefully it's even. He's got – he could beat Lewis Hamilton's – record hands down yeah. if he gets in the right car and yeah. right circumstances, but it's just frustrating for him. He's just got to show up every week and until Red Bull gives him that car. Mm. It's it's hard, Tommy T, isn't it, to, to think about 2022 and, you know, Red Bull were, was feeling strong about the, the remainder of the races uh, for this year and maybe for next year, noting that Mercedes aren't developing their, their 2021 car anymore. Mm. What happens to to him if if he doesn't get into that kind of team? I mean, I'm hoping the McLaren jump up, and yeah. uh, you know, we might even see someone like Lando, you know, surpassing him and being on the road to to winning world championships before Max because it's right place, right time. Yeah, 
genuinely he could just be in the wrong wrong car for right now if they don't get their crap together. Um, I I don't know. There's still a chance that he could get second in the drivers championship if things break right for him and he can beat Bottas enough. But that's kind of all he's playing for now. He hasn't had the teammate to really do much more and and challenge for the the uh, constructors. I don't know. He seems like a very lost guy. He's just stuck in this situation. Yeah, but, but he, the, he said that in an interview before the race. I don't care about coming second. I don't care about coming third. I'm here to win. I want to win. I'm good enough to win. Yeah. Give me the car to win. This is the monotonous for me, rocking up and trying my best and driving on the edge, yeah. which I do with ease and a consistency that not many people do. Yeah. And we're still not good enough. What? And you've I'm seen him disinterested after races when he's come third on the podium. He's like, I wasn't yep. racing against anyone. I was just sitting there by myself. There's no one yep. to compete with. That's probably down to like Ferrari dropping completely off this year and not having like another set of challenges. But he looks bored as hell. And I don't know if he's going to stick around at Red Bull if this continues and they don't actually no. show some development towards being the top team. He'd be hot property for wherever Ooh. he would want to go. Uh, and, of course, the thought would probably be Mercedes, wouldn't it, if if anything, in the long run. It's so uh, hard with new regs. We don't know, but yes. Yes, uh, but sad, sad for, for him. Look, good thing for Albon to, to get a podium, uh, I guess. Uh, you know, he should. this is where he should be anyway, is there to pick up the pieces of other people sort of falling off as the rear guard for, for the Red Bull. Uh, but he didn't have a... a Great weekend, as we said, he destroyed his car um, coming coming out of the final corner, which is not a corner that you see many people put put it in the wall. Uh, his confidence must just be kicked, just been getting shaking all of the time uh, from all of these incidents, and then you know the people like us and and the media jumping on top of him, going, well, "What'd you do that for? Why are you still? You know, why are you better than this? Why better than that?" Um, it's got to be hard for him mentally, uh, but. Really, if if he's able to get another, at least another podium, then maybe we will see him staying for Red Bull for 2021, and and that'll be Karen's justification to, to keep him around, which which will be hard. Okay, let's talk about Mercedes. Uh, obviously, Lewis Hamilton uh, was in a completely different race uh, tonight compared to everybody else. He, he wasn't even trying tonight. No, you could so tell. <laughs> uh, but what a he's still an incredible driver. If that's him not trying, and you know, no pressure, right? The, all that's been yeah. released. They've won constructors. He's won his world championship again. No pressure. Still absolutely dominates, you know, and even coming into turn one and you're looking at the replays of Roman's uh, incident, he was completely, as, as Martin said, he was in a different postcode coming yep. into to two, uh, which <laughs> it just boggles your mind really when you think about it. And then what, what staggers me about this guy's driving is, is the consistency of, of the placement of the car. You look yes. at lap to lap. It's so precise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's every apex hit. Yes. It's it's changing the brake bias, you know, a couple, two or three times a lap just to get it right. And yeah. it's almost like he's playing music. Just, yeah. you know, he's in a groove and he's just channeling. He's on train tracks. Yeah. He's on, you know. You can see how much work doing, he does, uh, especially at night races. You can see those steering wheels yes. lit up and you can see uh. how much he's actually doing on the inside. And he nailed both of those starts, like absolutely nailed yeah. them. Like, yeah, he's I'm absolutely sick. I'm, I'm sick of seeing him win. This is how we all felt about someone different. Yeah. And this is how we oh. felt about Michael Schumacher back in the day and everyone yeah. now you know, misses him, looks back on him. So it's going to be interesting really. when when he leaves the sport. Alonso's better. <laughs> yeah. How many, how many world championships has Alonso got? Um, but that was the right place, right time. If Alonso was in a Mercedes, he would be absolutely dominating as well. Um, yeah. 
I, I feel sad for VB. He really hated this weekend as well. I think he's checked out for this year. Uh, but it goes to show, again, that the Mercedes cannot follow traffic very well. And it's designed to be at the front. <laughs> They've got a magnet of some kind in VBs to collect debris, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. That guy's oh, so unlucky. As I said, more bad luck credits going in his good luck bank. It's coming out next, <laughs> next year. I'm telling you. it for next season. Yeah. Oh, that's why he hasn't mouthed off about Lewis and his stupid vegan diet this year. <laughs> he's saving it till next year when Lewis is rock bottom and he just punches him when he's on the ground. <laughs> Rags on him publicly for being a vegan or something. <laughs> you know, oh, it's going to be great to watch next, next year. going to be awesome. Campy is the prophet, so. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be great to be in Australia to watch him uh, win because I just, you know, he's going to do what he did 2018, Ooh, come yeah. out. Uh, 19, sorry, come out and just absolutely smash it. All right, well, that's the uh, the recap. Uh, thank you for, for sticking with me, boys, with that. I know it's early in the morning. Let's talk quickly about our fantasy league. Fantasy. Fantasy. And the names that I have seen to be updated. If you uh, if if you're listening to this podcast, it is very early, so if you're listening in Australia, you might not have even watched the race yet or been able to update the names. But uh, there's a couple here. Um, R. Moxley, I'm just glad Roman is okay. Lucky boy, yes, indeed, that's my favourite one because it is just true. Uh, R. Ridden, checko yourself before you reco yourself. Uh, I love that. Uh, Crofty's <laughs> crummy comedy. Uh, Colin from the US, love that. Thank you, mate. Uh, Presently, without a drive for next year. <laughs> Jay Lauder, Josh, well done. Love that. Out for a Sunday stroll, um, which is true because he was out on Sunday yeah. and his name is Lance Stroll. Yeah. And why well done in Bahrain Pain Train. Well, that was us writing that and writing this podcast. Um, the top three, as far as I can tell, are the same. R. Moxley, Jay Moore and Timmy Bowden. Uh, well done to you. Uh, and look, thanks very much if you've been talking with us on Discord. As I said, the, the couple of people um, in the US and in Canada, I don't think we had many the Aussies up with us there but uh, look we, we talk to you from wherever you are in the world and you want to have a little area to talk about Formula 1 during the race or, or the, the week or whatever jump onto our Discord the description in our description below I should say the links exist and uh, we're on Twitter and on Instagram and all the good places and feel free to leave us a review if you're on watching us on YouTube uh, thank you for staying with us to this <laughs> this long we're looking forward to next year as we said last podcast some cool stuff totally is coming your way extra shave and an extra white it's uh, bringing out the paste. It's fresh. That's a moon tan. That's a moon tan. <laughs> uh, but we love it. It's been hanging out on a Navy base too. <laughs> you got to do it, mate. Uh, but, boys, at uh, 5.15 in the morning, thanks very much for, for your time. Uh, and thank you to you guys for listening to the podcast. Uh, we'll see you next week for yeah. some more Bahrain action. Cheers, boys. Cheers. The pain is real. <laughs> I kicked Brian out at like 10 o'clock. I was like, just go. I've, I have to sleep before we wake up. <laughs> Good. And then that red flag, I was like, you've got to be joking. I was kind of happy that I said. Could have got. <laughs> kind of happy that I said 45 minutes, though, because at least I knew I could get something.